0: to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: If you're in a valley of affliction, know that there's something that God is working, that there's fruit that God is developing, that you can't see right now, but you will see it later. Take it from the scriptures. You see, this is where trusting God's word really comes right down to where the rubber meets the road.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Genesis chapters 41 through 42 in a message titled, From Prisoner to Prime Minister. Now here's Pastor Brian.
1: He said the funny thing, he said, you know, the funny thing is my church office is right across the street from my former parole office so every (laughs) he said every morning when I'm going to the office I wave to my former parole officer hey how you doing this morning you know and and he said you know the policeman that used to arrest him now call him you know Mr. Zamora and all of this stuff you know and 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 anyway he's up for a full pardon they're going to uh, expunge his record and take those two strikes off of his record because of the radical transformation. And the, the, um, the judge that sentenced him said, uh, when he came back uh, before him again, the judge looked at him and said, you're not, you're not that guy. And he said, well, no, I'm not, but yes, I am. I... <laughs> and, and the judge, you know, just absolutely astounded. And the judge is the one who actually put in for this complete expunging of his record. So all of that to say, You see, God is still in the business of pulling people out of the pit and putting them up on the pinnacle and exalting them and giving them favor and using them in unexplainable ways and sometimes unimaginable ways. And I never get tired of watching how the Lord does this. So he didn't just do it thousands of years ago with people like Joseph, he's doing it today with people as well. So here's Joseph. Back to the story. Joseph is now in the position of the prime minister of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand, verse 42, and put it on Joseph's hand, and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and and put a gold chain around his neck, and he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried out before him, bow the knee, So he sent him all over the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath Paaniah, which means probably, there's debate as to what it actually means. But it probably means that God speaks and God lives. So Pharaoh, and remember, of course, the Egyptians are idolaters. They're sun worshipers. They worshiped a a myriad of, of idols. But Pharaoh, at this point, knows that Joseph knows the real God. And so the name that he gives him is really indicative of that and he also gave him as a wife Asenath the daughter of Potiphar priest of On so this is the daughter of the the priest and again the the primary god that was worshipped in Egypt was the sun god and so this was the the priest over that whole idolatrous system it's the the daughter Of this priest that Joseph is given as his wife. So Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, in the seven plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly. So he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities. He laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them. Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting, for it was immeasurable. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of the famine came, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh, For God has made me forget all my toil in my father's house, and the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. So in the names that Joseph gives them, first of all, he gives them Hebrew names, not Egyptian names. So you see that Joseph is obviously still very much holding on to his faith as as a Hebrew and as an Israelite. He's not being sucked into the Egyptian religious system at all there. And he gives his sons these, these Hebrew names. But, but notice the meaning of the names, very significant. Manasseh, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. So all of those years of prison, those 13 long years and all of the, the hard labor and then the sadness of having been taken away from his family, um, God blessed him so much in Egypt. Joseph said, the Lord, is, he's made me forget that. He's, he brought him through that season of, of grief over those things. And the Lord does that for us. All of us can maybe, to some degree or another, look back over seasons of great difficulty in our lives, and when you're in the midst of it, you don't think you're ever going to recover from it. When you're in the midst of it, you don't think you could ever, you know, really be normal again after you've gone through these kinds of things. But then God is so good, and he He brings us through these things, and you know, you, you sort of look back and you think, wow, I can't believe it. I can't believe I made it through that. I can't believe that I'm still going. I can't believe that I'm blessed and, and God is so good. I, I forgot about that. I've had times where I've just completely forgotten about some of the real hard seasons that I've gone through. And, you know, back in the, in the midst of it, I, I never thought I was going to make it through it. That's how hard it was. I couldn't imagine it ever being any any different than it was. It was so dark and so difficult. But then you're just, you know, the Lord brings you beyond it. But then his second son, he names him Ephraim. And I love this. For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Our natural tendency is to think Negatively about affliction. It's very natural to think negatively about affliction. I don't want to be afflicted. I don't think I should be afflicted. I do everything in my power to avoid affliction. I mean, that's just the way it is, right? I mean, is there anybody in here that's looking for affliction? <laughs> we'll counsel with you afterwards. <laughs> All of us just... It, it's a natural thing to want to avoid affliction, but what we all find out sooner or later is you can't, can you? As uh, sparks fly upwards, so a man is born to strife that's just it's the way it is in the world that we're in. but here's the great news. The great news is that it's in those times and seasons and places of affliction that God bears the greatest amount of fruit in our lives. We've all heard before, and it's a fact that, you know, fruit, vegetation, and all of those things, they, they generally speaking, they grow in valleys. They don't generally grow on the tops of mountains. And, and we, of course, would love to spend all of our time on the mountaintops, praising and rejoicing and just having a great old time. Who wants to go down to the valley? Where there's affliction? Who wants to go down to uh, the place where there's sorrow and weeping? But that is so often the very place where the greatest work is done and the best fruit is born in our lives. So God doesn't really consult us as to whether or not we will give him permission to lead us into valleys of affliction. He knows what's best for us. And so Joseph you see he can see clearly with hindsight. When you're in the midst of it it's very difficult to see it that way. And so when somebody says hey it's going to get better God's doing a work you know oh, well what do you know you know you haven't been where I'm at. And that's sometimes the way we respond but but it is true that it's in the land of affliction that God does great works in our lives that that cause good fruit to come. And I've shared before about some of the physical things I've been through over the years and so forth. And, you know, I look at many of those things and there's certainly part of me that says, I would, you know, I I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I'd never want to go through that again. I wish I hadn't gone through those things. But I can also say, that those are the very things that God has used to do things in me that needed to be done, that couldn't have been done probably in any other way to enable me to, you know, be more caring or, or more compassionate or something like that, you know, having been in that kind of a position. And so God uses those things. And Joseph's life over and over again, we see with Joseph, we see this principle that in the midst of all of this affliction, God is doing something, and in the overall picture of his, of his life, there's this tremendous fruit that comes forth from his life. So if you're in a valley of affliction, know that there's something that God is working, that there's fruit that God is developing that you can't see right now, but you will see it later. Take it from the scriptures. You see, this is where trusting God's word really comes right down to where the rubber meets the road. You know, okay, Lord, what I'm reading here about Joseph, I'm going to just take this as a truth to myself. I'm going to believe it for myself. I'm going to apply it to myself. And you can do that. that. That's why God wrote this. So we could do that very thing. I think of what David said in the 119th Psalm. He says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I have learned your statutes and your commandments. He says, it is good that I was afflicted, that I might learn your commandments. You see, and it takes a seasoned person. It takes a person who's been through these things to to be able to look back and say, you know, as hard as it's been, it was good that I have been afflicted. And you can see the results. You can see the fruit. You can see the good things that God does through it. And I can think of people that have gone through, you know, tragedy and sickness and all kinds of very, very difficult types of challenges. But You know, God brings them through. So, verse 53, Then the seven years of plenty which were in the land of Egypt ended. And the seven years of famine began to come. As Joseph had said, the famine was in all the land, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Then Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, whatever he says to you, do. The famine was over all the face of the land, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, and the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. So all countries, all the surrounding countries, came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all the land. Now, when Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? You know, Jacob seems to just be kind of fed up with the rest of these guys, you know. What are you doing just sitting around looking at each other? He said, Indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to the place and buy for us there that we may live and not die. So Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, Lest some calamity befall him. And the sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who journeyed, For the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over the land. That word governor there is a word that implies that he had absolute authority, second only to Pharaoh. And it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and, listen, bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Twenty years have now passed. Remember those dreams? Joseph saw his brothers, and he recognized them. But he acted as a stranger to them, and he spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, Where do you come from? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to seek the nakedness of the land And they said to him, No, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all one man's sons. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. But he said to them, No, but you have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said, Your servants are twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And in fact, the youngest is with our father today, and one is no more. One is no more. They're talking to the one that they think is no more. But Joseph said to them, It is as I spoke to you, saying, You are spies. In this manner, you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Now, remember, the youngest brother, Benjamin, is Joseph's full brother. He was the second son of Jacob and Rachel. So send one of you and let him bring your brother and you shall be kept in prison that your words may be tested to see whether there is any truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. So he put them all together in prison three days. So Joseph is roughing them up a bit. And um, of course, as as we're going to go on in the story, we see that he's testing them. He's Really looking to see have they changed any? Or are they the same rotten guys that threw me in the pit, or you know has God worked on their hearts? Are they trustworthy? So Joseph then said to them the third day, "Do this, in other words, go back and get your brother for do this and live for I fear God. so Joseph sort of gives them a little hint there that he he fears the Lord. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to your prison house, but you go and carry grain for the famine of your houses. And and bring your youngest brother to me, so your words will be verified, and you shall not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, listen to this, then they said to one another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not here, therefore, this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them and said, Did I not speak to you, saying, Do not sin against the boy, and you would not listen? Therefore, behold, his blood is now being required of us. Twenty years have passed. And they're obviously still, their conscience is still eating away at them over what they did to their brother. Now, they don't know that this is Joseph. But as they're coming into this, you know, rough treatment from this guy, they're, they're interpreting that to, to basically be God is paying us back for the way we treated our brother. But they did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them through an interpreter. And he turned himself away from them and wept. Then he returned to them again and talked with them, and he took Simeon from them and bound him before Their eyes. Then Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain, to restore every man's money to his sack, and to give them provisions for the journey. Thus he did for them. So they loaded their donkeys with grain and departed from there. But as one of them opened his sack to give his donkey feed at the encampment, he saw his money, and there it was in the mouth of the sack. So he said to his brothers, My money has been restored, and there it is in my sack. Then their hearts failed them. And they were afraid, saying to one another, What is this that God has done to us? Then they went to Jacob their father in the land of Canaan and told him all that had happened to them, saying, The man who was lord of the land spoke roughly to us and took us for spies of the country. But we said to him, We are honest men. We are not spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no more, and the youngest is with our father this day in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the lord of the country, said to us, By this I will know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me. Take food for the famine to your households and be gone, and bring your youngest brother to me, so I shall know that you are not spies, but you are honest men. I will grant your brother to you, and you may trade in the land. Then it happened as they emptied their sacks that surprisingly each man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw the bundles of money, They were all afraid. And Jacob, their father, said to them, You have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you want to take Benjamin. All these things are against me, Jacob said. Then Reuben spoke to his father, saying, Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my hands, and I will bring him back to you. But he said, My son shall not go with you, for his brother is dead. And he is left alone. If any calamity shall befall him along the way in which you go, then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. So Jacob says, no. Benjamin's not going. Simeon's in prison. He can stay there. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not giving up Benjamin. And, and that's where it stops at this point. Now, as we close, one last thought here. Jacob's words all these things are against me. Now, remember, Jacob is a man of faith. His father Isaac was a man of faith. Abraham, of course, was a man of faith. But in each one of these men, we see that there are these seasons, these times of, they didn't lose their faith in the bigger picture, but they but they would lose faith in the in the immediate situation. And that's where Jacob's at. He just looks at everything and says, you know, everything's against me. It's, you know, this is just but what he doesn't realize is that that is so far from the truth and what's actually happening is all working for his benefit and shortly he's going to find that far from everything being against him, God is about to bless him in ways that he never ever imagined he would be blessed again when he's reunited with His son, Joseph. And so let's close on that thought. But remember this. All things are not against you. Although at times it might seem that way. It might seem that everything is just going in the wrong direction. But do not forget that that fast, God can turn the whole thing around Not only can God turn the whole thing around, but as we wait on him, seek him, and trust him, he will turn it around, but he'll do it in his time. So believe, believe this testimony from Joseph, from Jacob, from the other examples in Scripture, and from people all around you who could testify, yeah, the Lord pulled me out of the pit in a second and set my feet up on a rock, He's going to do the same thing for you.
0: For the month of December, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans by Scott Sauls. Global mental health issues are on the rise. Over a billion people globally are living with anxiety or depression, especially among teens and young adults. Guilt and regret are becoming identity-defining forces. So how can we deal with this mental health crisis in our own lives and be a help in the lives of others? Well, in his book, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, Scott Salls presents a practical theology of suffering that will infuse your regret, hurt, and fear with a hope of gospel-saturated meaning. This book will give you the practical insights needed to find purpose in your own regrets, hurts, and fears. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans by Scott Sauls. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.